Zudramdan, Bagud Mekem, Anak Kurfu. No, I don't have a cold, but taking a look at the map of Elder Slade and naming its many sites, most of which use Kazdul, one becomes a little tongue-tied. Taking a look at the land itself, the vast and shaky mounds of this ancient land serve one purpose and one purpose only, to frame their master, the looming Mount Gundabad. And yet our view of this great and ancient mountain is obscured. Drakes flit across our view, and towering Angmarim spires stand like swords. Worst of all is smoke spewing out from hastily dug trenches. Don't you know we're at war? It's Elder Slade, and you are listening to Beneath Your Feet. The peoples of Middle-earth tells us that Mount Gundabad is a special ancestral home for Durin's folk. The Longbeards maintain that it was here, long ago when the world was young and the mountains a bit smaller, that Durin awoke after being set in his long sleep by the first crafter. Durin came first. And thereafter came the other fathers of the dwarves, all six of them. But being first has its advantages, and so dwarves of all houses revere Durin and hold his descendants in esteem. And this is shown with great care and quality in the tales of yore for Azanul Bazar. Gundabad, however historic and important, was destined for tragedy. It is a sad tale, but so are all tales of Middle-earth. Wars with orcs, the enmity of Sauron, Sax, Conquests, Resax, and Doom all lie in the wake of Gundabad's story. But we're not there yet, are we? For us, Gundabad remains on the horizon, leering at us like an expansion pack years in the making. Okay, maybe that's a little too on the nose. Anyways. My look at Gundabad is here, in Elder Slade, the last stop for the Gabil Aka the great force in their fearsome war for the mountain home. For that is what Gundabad means, in Lotro anyway, the mountain home. It's one of countless Kuzduel translations that we are treated to as we crunch along the gravelly ways of Elderslade. Whether we are journeying westwards from the Grey Mountains or northwards up the Great River through the wells of Langflood, the first of those names that we must address is Anak Kurfu the Camp of Return. Unlike with the shale grayish hills around it, this dwarf way station is dark blue in hue, almost black with gold inlay. It points upwards in design, both alike and unlike the many other dwarf structures we have seen throughout our many journeys from Arid Luin to Thror's Coombe to Moria to Erebor. It is crumbling from disuse, likely ancient as the age, if not older, but inside it is alive and vibrant. The forge fires roar and dwarves chatter away, playing games of chance and preparing for battles to come. Guards stand at every corner and recruiters for the war effort travel to the far lands of Ariador and beyond, tempting adventurers to their cause with the promise of glory and cosmetic gear. And at the top of the stair in the main chamber blazoned with banners is a crowd of dwarves cheering and dancing to the voice of one other, a solitary figure standing on a dais. He is Prince Durin VII, and this is his army. When first we meet Prince Durin, he's in a sad state, 
drowning his sorrows at the quenching trough in Yarnfast, the chief town of the Iron Hills. Sent there by his father to be protected from the wider fighting of the War of the Ring, the young prince is dejected and alone. Meanwhile, Easterlings are encroaching into the Iron Hills, and the Zelruka, one of the eastern dwarf houses, march through Longbeard lands on their way to the Grey Mountains, all while facing the lurking threat of Karazgar of Mordor. It's this turn of events that prods Prince Durin towards greatness, and over the course of our journeys with him, Durin Seventh goes from drunken princeling to adventurer to commander. And by the time the story of the Black Book of Mordor is winding down, and the legacy of Durin's storyline is ramping up, Durin is seen staring deep into the sheer ice wall of the anvil at the withered heath taken by vision. The rest of the dwarves, including familiar faces like Gloin, watch on with concern. He emerges from this state with a clear aspiration in mind. The united forces of Longbeards, Stout Axes, and Zelruka are burdened with glorious purpose and will retake the mountain home, Gundabad of old. The prince's influence is undeniable, and soon the Gabila Ka becomes a who's who of Longbeards. Many of Thorin's company are there, as are heroes of battles past, and friends from our adventures in the Grey Mountains. And we have to leave the great room of Anat Kerfu now, and concern ourselves with the other jots of dwarf history sprinkled through the Slade. Ah, but wait, what is a Slade anyway? Unlike many of the other settlements we are about to see, Elder Slade is not derived from the Kuzduel. I don't know what their linguistic processes are like, but whenever they're not using an established language like Sindarin, or less established tongues like Neo-Kuzduel, Standing Stone games have a curious way of mixing and matching their nouns. The common tongue is always represented as English, as is right and proper, but sometimes they use Middle English or Anglo-Saxon, Northern place names use a combination of Germanic, Northern European-sounding words meant to mimic the verbiage of the Northmen, such as the Aotheod or the Woodman or Bjornings. And don't get me started on the various incantations in Welsh or Finnish or the like that they inject into the game when creating new cultures. I'm no language scholar, so I probably didn't even get that last bit right. But thankfully I had some help on this episode, and I feel confident in saying that the name Elder Slade comes from the former, the English common tongue. Elder, of course, means old, and a slade, besides being a great band name and unfamiliar term to non-Brits, is a kind of valley or ravine. I would say that this naming is a bit too obvious, as the Lotro team is often wont to describe place names for exactly what they are, but you know what? So was Tolkien. Rivendell is literally a dell, or valley, riven into the mountains. Bag end is just that, the end of a bag, or dead end. We'd call it a cul-de-sac in the States. Comb is a comb. Buckland is the land of the brandy bucks, etc., etc. And so, when we say Elder Slade, we can be sure that that's what it is. A slade that is ancient, the last stop before the even more ancient and hallowed Gundabad, Awakening place of Durin the First, back before the world changed, just as the song says. The world was young, the mountains green, no stain yet 
on the moon was seen. No words were laid on stream or stone. When Durin woke and walked alone. Stumbling uphill with Anak Kurfu at my back, I spy another great dwarf way station, Zarkul Sulun. These are the torrent spires, looking out over the waterfalls that drizzle in the distance down to the river Langflood, and it's filled with orcs. As I said, it's one of many. We can also find Shakala Trad, the shore watch along the banks of another river northwards. There is Zudrumdam, the high threshold, further up and deeper into enemy territory. And then the way is troubled by Angmarin out of the north. These cultists are not out of place. The connection between Angmar and Gundabad and thusly Elderslade goes back to the middle of this third age when the dread realm of the Witch King straddled both sides of the Misty Mountains. So if it seems a little odd that the Angmarim, who were apparently only roused to greatness again in the last year by Mordirith during the Shadows of Angmar timeline, could throw up massive fortresses complete with Celtic-sounding names so quickly, think again. It's possible that these massive structures, Kaivadsar and Duntrek, were erected centuries ago and then left to disuse when Angmar declined. Too haunted and dark even for the orcs of Gundabad to inhabit, too tall and strong to be destroyed by the great dwarf armies of past. Now it's left to us adventurers to clear them out on behalf of the Gabila Ka. Pressing past Angmarim Towers, the Isle of Grithom, and more than a few wild beasts, we cross the river to find Bagud Mekem, the Gates of Winds, some kind of northern outpost of the mountain home. And if we can cut through Kulug Mok and Hanskar Mok, Mok meaning home in the black speech, we are able to make our way straight up to the Gates of Gundabad itself, but the way is shut. We scouts can go no further, and worst of all, it seems the war is stirring up. After our scouting is done, the epic story leads us back to the blazoned war room at Anak Kurfu, and then something changes. The map flips, the sky is darkened by smoke, the slade is lit by the warm glow of distant fires shimmering against some kind of yellow gas, orc mischief no doubt, and we've taken back Zarkul Sulun. The initial forays are over, and the War of Three Peaks is on in earnest. All those interesting names... Northmen, Common, or Kuzdul seem of little import when there are beasts and wargs and battalion after battalion of goblins to reckon with. Most interesting of all is the inclusion of trench warfare and chemical warfare. I tend to read quest texts a bit hastily, but I don't believe this mustard gas is accounted for. It's just there, pointing backwards into our primary world and the terrible experience a young Tolkien had fighting in the trenches of the First World War. There is blood and slaughter, siege machines, and two-headed trolls, but those with the grit and steel to fight through the horde will eventually see Amdan Damul, the bloody threshold, and the climax of the legacy of Durin's story. The barring spoilers, an unexpected enemy appears, and we are left with our dwarf friends to wonder, beneath the watchful presence of Mount Gundabad, 
How are we to make it inside? Thank you for listening to Beneath Your Feet. For more information on the show, please visit anchor.fm slash L-O-T-R-O-B-Y-F. And from there, you can find links to share the show across all platforms. Any support, a review, a share, a dollar, it's all very much appreciated. You can also join me live each month for the Beneath Your Feet live stream on twitch.tv slash stream. With each stream, we dive deep into a particular region of the Lord of the Rings online, We hunt for Easter eggs and details and talk lore for the upcoming podcast episode. And I've begun the work of uploading episodes and live streams to a new YouTube channel. It can be found by searching Lotro Beneath Your Feet and will be updated regularly. Today's music comes from the Lord of the Rings online soundtrack, the Tolkien Ensemble, and Wind Rose. This episode was written and read by me with special thanks to Connell, and the Duero Scholar for their help with the Dwarvis translations. My name is Shoreless, and we'll see you next time when we go Beneath Your Feet.